everybody. Welcome to the Prep Life Podcast. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger, today here with my fabulous co-host. Hey guys, this is Chris Nicole, Glam Girl Bikini Coach and IFBB Bikini Pro. Well, today we are going to be doing a Q&A. We just had a lot of different questions, uh, so we thought we would try to our, do our best to kind of address some of those, but I wanted to mention the posing seminar that Glam Girl is having at Angel Competition Bikini's uh, posing uh, room or their headquarters, I should say. So the spots, I think, might be filled up for in-person. There might be a couple left. I know we can only house 15 people for the posing seminar, um, and I know that they were filling up fast. Uh, so due to social distancing, we have to limit those numbers. So if you are interested, please reach out. I will um, maybe put the sign-up link in the show notes if you are local or if you're like one of the people that reached out, she's driving three hours to come, which is awesome, um, from Ooh. Jefferson, Missouri. So that's an option. But those of you that are from far away that can't make it to Kansas City, we do. We are going to be offer, offering a Zoom link. So you'll have the opportunity to view the posing seminar from the comfort of your home, and you can practice with us. So the only thing that you need to do is just go to our glam girl ig so that's glam girl bikini on instagram and we have a flyer posted basically just tell us that you you know post in the comments that you are interested in receiving the zoom link and or you can shoot us a dm and we'll be sure to get your email address and send that zoom link over to you so that's sunday one o'clock central standard time and it goes until three so a lot of our glam girl bikini ladies are getting ready for the Midwest, um, sorry, the NBC Midwest show team show in Iowa. So it's called Battle of the Champions, and it's November 14th. So this is a perfect opportunity. It's like while they're in peak week. Um, I know a lot of people, um, you know, locally that are kind of getting ready for that show. So that's a good opportunity to kind of fine tune things the weekend before the big show. Um, Chris, yeah. do you have anything to add on that? Yeah. I just wanted to uh, help uh, reiterate that the on, even if you're not physically there, I mean, cause all of the team posing sessions and stuff like that, that they've done previously with glam girl have been, I've had to do online uh, based off of where I live, and it's still been extremely helpful, especially if you're wondering, like, how it's going to look uh, on stage, a lot of, like, how the day is going to be run, or, like, what to expect as far as, like, judge queuing, especially if you're a newbie, I'd highly encourage you to log on, but even if you haven't, if you've done shows previously, it's good to get brushed up, and, you know, like, sometimes things change, uh, or they change regionally, so... Yeah, definitely a really good resource, and to get it for free is is huge. So definitely take take advantage. Yeah, and it is fifteen dollars if you attend in person, but you do get a crop top from uh, Angel Competition Bikinis, and um, we have Cat Williams, IFBB professional. She is co-hosting the seminar with me, and she received her pro card at Junior Nationals in twenty thirteen. So she's going to be awesome. 
um, between the two of us, we're going to be showing you the latest trends. So I've been out there <laughs> um, in this pandemic traveling all over. Um, <laughs> so I've seen all of the national shows and I'm going to be talking about the trends that I've seen that are getting rewarded with a pro card. And then also just, you know, I've, I've been to several pro shows as well. So um, we know obviously that it's a different, different criteria for an amateur. Um, but we're going to be pointing out some of those things that really are must haves for 2020 when you're, you're going on stage. And we are also going to be showing you the differences between wellness posing and bikini. So those are some of the, the things that you'll be able to experience. Um, and it's always just good practice. You know, it's nothing like, you know, having to switch with people and having the angle towards the judge and hitting the diagonals. Those are things like you're used to practicing maybe, but not with people right next to you. So it's just a good way to get comfortable with that. So yeah. that's all I have on the posing seminar on November 8th, this Sunday, one to three central standard time. Um, look for that in the description box for that sign up link. And we um, will go ahead and dive into our Q and a, but first I just wanted to um, share with you something that's new and different here at glam girl that we've kind of implemented in the last month that I feel like has taken things to the next level. I know for me as a coach, it's been able to organize and systemize uh, my um, coaching experience. And I, I think that that's, you know, really helped um, an athlete be able to have a one-stop shop in the client portal. Basically what that offers them is it gives them a spot to have all of their data of their check-ins in one place for it to be charted. And then additionally, they're going to be able to get like their resources, like their training program, their cardio, their um, any sort of resource guides, like their nutrition programming, all of that is in the client portal in one spot. And um, I personally have just really enjoyed using it because um, it definitely beats the old days of searching for <laughs> emails and trying to, to find and dig um, from previous emails because it keeps all communications in one spot. What are your thoughts as from the client perspective and the coach perspective, Chris? Oh, yeah. Well, from a client perspective, I love it because it has everything nicely organized. And like this is perfect timing because I got my updated plan this morning. So I was it's like super mobile friendly on my phone. I could just go in there and click and it had my, you know, like all all aspects of my training, my nutrition, recovery, like that. I think as a coach, too, it helps you make sure that you're checking all the boxes to make sure that you're providing client overall concrete plan. Um, because honestly, a lot of that recovery aspect has been really helpful for both me and myself and for my clients as well, too. So I don't know. I like it. I like how it's organized. It definitely helps the check-in process go a little bit quicker so that I'm able to spend more time um, providing really good feedback. I'm not trying to like search through multiple emails and, you know, connect the dots. And then also like getting new clients, it's been really great and onboarding people a lot smoother. Um, that way I can designate more time into getting their programming started right away and they can get started a, a lot quicker. So I think it's been a huge advancement and it's leveling up, but yeah, I would say both for 
an athlete and for a coach, it's been really helpful. So I'm excited that we're implementing it. Awesome. Okay, well, let's get started with the first question. Yes. Okay. So the first question is, what are some ways to get back on track after a binge? We're going to start off really heavy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, that's a deep question. That's got a lot of, a lot to unpack. So, um, for when I think about that and staying within my scope, you know, there's, there's two things that could kind of trigger a binge. Um, typically it's either psychological or it's physiological. And so mm-hmm. just kind of like getting to the deeper, um, root of the issue, I think is the biggest thing with the yeah. binge. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I mean, it's kind of a, a tricky navigation space for yeah. a coach just because we want to make sure we do stay in our scope of practice. Exactly. Um, And I can just share from personal experience what I've done that's kind of helped me. Um, So like if I feel that, first of all, I think the first thing to do is not beat yourself up over it. I think a lot of people, they just, they get upset with themselves and then they just feel down and then it doesn't mitigate any type of motivation to move forward in a positive direction. So I think sometimes just accepting that you know that was some you know you maybe over a couple extra calories uh is the first step but I do agree Amy I think um there's usually an underlying issue um a lot of times for me it has been a lot of black and white mentality of feeling like super restricted and then having like a lot of freedom being on prep or off prep and so I think like adapting lifestyle um, behaviors that will kind of allow you a little bit more of a little bit more freedom, um, but still keep you going towards your goal. And again, I think that's something between a coach and a client that they can kind of work through and, and figure out what would be best for the individual. Because I think everybody's behavior um, stems from stems from an, an individual experience as well too so I say number one don't beat yourself up I say number two wipe the slate clean move forward get like an amazing workout uh use those calories to like get excited in the gym drink some water that will help you feel a little bit better and then um I just say like look at the situation from an outside perspective and work with your coach uh, and finding out what would be maybe some some steps in mitigating that in the future. That's kind of what I would say. Yeah, I would say from personal experience, I'm only going to speak from personal experience um, because, again, like I said, this is a, a tricky area. But for me, my binge behaviors are typically triggered by something, and it's just I have to make sure that I address that need, whether it's physiological or psychological, there's a, a deeper rooted issue every time I mm-hmm. binge. So um, I do think like a flexible, flexible dieting um, and things like that and tracking your macros and having flexibility is, it does help, but yeah, um, it can be, yeah, it can be very individualized when it comes to what triggers people. 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. Are we ready for the next question? Yeah. Okay. I love this one. Okay. Is it possible to spot reduce or lose body fat in one area over another? Okay. So I, I like the meta analysis from, um, Jeff Nippard kind of did like a, an analysis of the mass publication. Um, and I don't know if you want me to kind of go over those four studies that have been kind of done on spot reducing and then we can kind of let our audience decide (laughs) what their thoughts are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go for it. Okay. So the first study was done in 1971 and it was, it was done by um, kind of analyzing tennis players and taking a look at their subcutaneous fat in their tennis arm. So the arm that gets used the most, um, their dominant side, and nothing was found as a difference in body fat in the dominant arm, just only like hypertrophy effects, obviously from using that side more than the other, much like a pitcher would have like a stronger I remember uh, I played college softball and I remember our pitcher, her right arm was so much bigger. We measured it. It was double the size of her left. My gosh. Yeah. Um, And so there was no conclusive evidence that um, that you could like eliminate fat from that study um, by like a repetitive motion on one side versus the other. And then the other study, the second study was done in 2007, um, and that was a subcutaneous fat. Um, they basically did an analysis, and it was an upper body resistance training program. There was not any evidence showing. This study is kind of bogus, though, because it there was no... Um, there was no fat loss in general at all. <laughs> so like, even if the, they did one arm, you know, or like one leg, um, in general, the overall body fat loss was not there in general. So it obviously didn't come off the spot. So that study, wasn't great, um, uh, because there was no mm-hmm. fat loss in general. Um, and then in 2013, they did, um, like upper and bo- upper, body and lower body training, resistance training, um, no evidence was found to be significant, like when they would train one leg versus the other. Uh, and then an interesting study that came out in 2017, this one had, now keep in mind, it was a very small um, group of people studied. So that was, that was a huge factor. Um, basically what they did was they had some half of the group do an upper body workout and then a lower body workout. And the thing that they added that wasn't in the other three studies previously is that they had them do like 20 minutes of list cardio after. So for example, when they um, train their legs and they would do like cycling uh, for 20 minutes and that study actually showed a significant difference in the amount of fat yeah. like the people that train their legs had way less body fat in their lower half versus their upper and then the opposite for the upper body half they had way less fat than their lower body so I think what you can take from the study and again it wasn't a big enough study to like really debunk the spot reduction um, like I guess 
you know, myth that we kind of all think would be wonderful to have. Um, but yeah, it does bring up a good point. So the way that, uh, triglycerides or fat, you know, is broken down, uh, it's the fatty acids go through the bloodstream. So if let's say you're doing crunches and you're like loosening or releasing fat, um, from that area and then doing the list training, which is, it burns more fat, you know, because it's steady state cardio. Um, so they're thinking that maybe there's a correlation to doing a, a workout, like where you have a spot that is maybe a stubborn area and then maybe doing some list cardio afterwards. But again, I don't think it was enough to like prove. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't think there's enough evidence to say yes or no, like just concretely yes or no. But I do think that that is very interesting. And I think when most people they're asking about spa training, they're thinking if I do like a million tricep extensions, will it tighten up the back of my arms? And uh, I always tell people, I try to explain it as if you are doing resistance training, think about you're adding to your body. So you're building muscle, so you're adding shape. Um, and body fat is a tricky thing to work around. So I'd be interested in them doing more studies with this type of comparison to see if they get the same result. But I remember looking at the chart, and it was very significant in what they were reporting as far as body fat loss. So, yeah, um, we, still, we still condone a caloric deficit based on, yeah. you know, long-term uh sustainable diet that's high in protein um creating the deficit by lower calories and dieting over time it's it's really unfortunately it's more of the um it's not just like you can pull from like a bank account like where you can pull from savings and you can pull from checking (laughs) unfortunately like the bank just (laughs) works in different spots and usually with females we lean out from the top down um, yep. And our trouble areas are the last ones to go. And it's just, if you can't get that spot reduced, it just means that you haven't been in a deficit long enough, in my opinion. <laughs> yep. I agree. It just needs a little bit more time. Yep. Okay. All right. Next question. Uh, yes. So uh, let's see. Should you cut sodium during peak week? Yeah, this is. This is an interesting question. We've got some people starting their peak week on Saturday. So I think it's highly relevant. I do think that I want to do a whole podcast kind of on peak week again, because as we know now that iTunes only holds two years worth of podcasts. So I think our peak week podcast has disappeared. So I'd like to go over the nuances of peak week and things like that. But I think that with the sodium the glaring um, point of interest with this is um, the hormone aldosterone and aldosterone will increase when you decrease sodium or water and that causes water retention. So in a Harvard study, they for six days restricted sodium on individuals. And I think it was like within 24 to 48 hours, the aldosterone doubled and then by like the third day it tripled Um, and by the sixth day the kidneys were barely excreting any sodium at all so the problem is is that your your body is super smart 
So if you're not giving it sodium, <laughs> it's going to hang on to everything. And you're going right. to come out soft and bloated. And you're going to look watery because your kidneys need that to survive. I mean, you need that for your heart to function. Sodium, potassium, that controls your blood sh- um, your blood pressure and things. So, um, yeah, we want to keep aldosterone down. And so keeping consistent with sodium is super important. So we always keep sodium the same throughout peak week um, mm-hmm. so that we're not getting aldosterone um, increased in our athletes. Do you have anything to add on that one? Perfect. Uh, no, I just sometimes I feel like not changing too many variables and making sure that your physique gets in ahead of time is the best way to approach a show. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I have, I, uh, I've not personally played around with sodium too much, but I've always felt that uh, as far as like, uh, I know that it, it also plays a role in muscle contraction too. And so if you're going to I would just be careful, I would say, if you're going to play around with water and sodium. Um, And like Amy just explained in a very um, scientific way, there's so much that goes on with your body. So uh, protecting your your organs is good, too. Um, Okay, so the next question is, what are some ways to approach an untracked meal? Okay, I think you should start with this one because... I always, I don't mind tracking. I actually like it. I, yeah, I, I've always been one to like follow a meal plan. So even tracking macros like for this year has been new for me. So I like a macro budget if I'm going to do like, I'd rather just have a high carb day or, um, a refeed meal and tracked meals. Like, I don't know. I just, I don't do that many. So why don't you take the floor on that one? (laughs) Sure. Yeah. I think it's, different per person I feel like some people like to have the uh the calorie bank and then they can like play with it and they feel like that gives them some control and then um I mean I feel like I've been in both situations I think currently I'm in more of a situation where like I'm craving more flexibility um so untracked meals have been really great for me and to make sure that I'm not overeating in an untracked meal I I'm actually very systematic about my day. So a lot of times it's going to be on a day, like on a weekend where I'm going to sleep in a little bit. Cause I have that uh, flexibility in my schedule. And then I have like a nice, you know, tracked breakfast and uh, like a, maybe a meal or two. And then I go to the gym and I like just freaking take my time, enjoy my workout, work on, like really feeling my muscles and just enjoying them, like feeling my body move and not having a, like a time crunch pressure of like, okay, I need to squeeze this workout in, in one hour. Like I can play around with machines. I can do a lot of warm up stuff, other activation stuff, try stuff. Um, I don't know why, like the gym is like a playground to me right now. So it's been a lot of fun. And then um, right after that, I make sure that I am getting some calories in my body, both for like, you know, replenishing glycogen stores and uh, protein synthesis, like we've talked about in past previous podcasts. So a lot of times I will make sure that I have a protein shake and, um, you know, like some sweet potatoes or some carbohydrates so that I am still working within like that anabolic window. And also it will, it alleviates me walking into an untracked meal starving. Um, That's one thing that I've learned that is not not beneficial because I'm 
one, I'm already hungry from working out really hard in the gym. And then if I'm, you know, having a burger and and fries, you know, like something that I don't typically have on a regular basis, I want to make sure that I'm sitting there and I'm enjoying it because if I'm not mentally enjoying that meal, then it will just make me want to continue to eat after that. So I make sure like I alleviate some of the hunger after the gym and then it, it satiates some of that appetite and then I can sit down and enjoy a, a nice meal, something I've been craving. And usually it's planned as well too. I don't just kind of like Normally that morning I know what I want. And so I can, I'm able to look forward to it and I'm not searching for somewhere to eat while I'm super hungry. So I would say that's how I approach it. And then I usually always try it and incorporate some type of protein, like a good protein that's going to help with, uh, you know, my goals as an athlete, vegetables. I always try and incorporate some vegetables to help fill up with some fiber. And then most of the time the carbohydrate will be, something that I know my body does really well with. So, you know, like gluten is not great for my individual physique. So I'll kind of steer steer away from that for the most part. And I'll gravitate towards something that I know my body, my body digests well, but maybe a little bit higher calorie. So that's how I would approach it. Does that answer that question? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had a question just on if somebody is craving or getting like the urge to go off track uh what are some ways to mitigate that or um what are some tips to kind of steer away from giving in to those um, temptations and i actually have this kind of list that i wanted to share um with our listeners because i think there are just some kind of like good tips so um if you don't mind i'm just gonna go through that little list um go for it so some things before deciding what you want to eat take three uh mindful deep breaths um drink a big glass of water and these are all can be done all together or they can be done separately um just kind of mentally check that you're actually truly feeling the physical signs of hunger. And I think that if you take the deep breath, you drink the water. Sometimes we're just dehydrated. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's a way to kind of address that. Um, If you're, you know, maybe you're actually not hungry, but you're feeling stressed. So maybe play with your pet for like five minutes, take a short walk. Um, Maybe you're just bored and you're, you have idle hands. Um, so I would just spend a few minutes uh, with that energy on like household chores and like folding your clothes or like organizing your desk, taking away like low level anxiety that may be causing, um, some of that problem. And then, um, just, you know, like listening to a podcast, like watching, um, like a motivational YouTube video, something of that nature that just kind of directs your mind, um, for a little bit, away from those thoughts and then kind of revisit that, you know, like maybe if you have like some meals left and you've kind of done those things, um, and you're still really hungry, then maybe you just need to eat a little bit earlier. You know, maybe you don't go three hours without eating, you go two or maybe even one, but, um, but yeah, just kind of listening to your body and making sure that the cues that are there are valid. And I mean, I usually will drink like decaf coffee, um, if mm-hmm. like I'm craving something sweet, I know a lot of people like tea. Um, those are some things that I do. Do you have anything that helps you? 
Um, yeah, I definitely, I think first I stop and think about why I'm craving something and try and remember the last time I ate if, you know, like, cause if you're not on like a very set schedule, um, and if I'm like, man, it has been a while, then I can kind of relate to, okay, I do need to eat. And so I'll eat something that I know is a little bit more nourishing first and then decide like, uh, how I feel after I finished that meal and drank a bunch of water. But if it's not time for me to eat and I'm just like craving something, I can usually pinpoint it to some other, uh, triggers like boredom. I know it's a big one for people. So if I'm just like not mentally stimulated I'll be looking for something satisfying or sometimes it's just that I need to be like physically active um I do find that if I go outside get some fresh air go for a walk and listen to a podcast something that redirects my focus I'll be fine um and then just like a small tip if I really just want something in my stomach is a lot of those carbonated beverages I've used uh regularly the ones that have natural flavoring, they don't have like any aspartame or anything like that. Oh, that's just a really quick way to kind of like fill up my belly and cue my body that, you know, it, it's it's okay. I don't need to put some food in there right now. It's not time. So that, those are the things that have worked for me. I definitely think like if you do struggle with cravings um, or like those type of impulses, writing down what you're going to do in that instance before you get in that situation is a good idea that we are not trying to remember. You kind of already know, okay, let me try this tactic. Let me try, you know, like going for a walk first, or let me go, let me try having some water. The things that Amy mentioned, I think it's, it's worth writing down to figure out your strategy before you get in that situation. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the 30 minute mark. So we are so happy that you all have just been along this journey with us. Uh, we just love all the feedback. A lot of people have sent sweet notes this week. Um, I've had a couple of phone calls even with some people that have just shared um, their thoughts. And I just wanted to tell all of you that any kind of feedback, we just really appreciate with the podcast. Um, we just do this to help out that one person. And so um, just knowing if we do help you, um, that just means the world. So if you find it in your heart, please leave us a rating and review. And then that way, other people that have the same interest can find this podcast a little bit more easily. So if you would like to apply for the team, you can find us at um, glamgirlbikini.com. And then our podcast, I know I mentioned earlier, our Glam Girl um, to get the Zoom link for IG, but our IG for this podcast is Prep Life Podcast as well. So be sure to tag us on your stories if you found value in this episode. We'd sure appreciate it. So this is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger, signing off with my fabulous co-host. And this is Krista Cole, Glam Girl Bikini Coach and IFBB Bikini Pro. Thanks for listening, guys.